I can tell oh. we're going to have a strange show today. We're talking about potty breaks and. <laughs> Honestly, I think we should ban Joe from the show. He should have suspension of one week for talking like that. <laughs> I know. I'm totally out, offended. Dude. Request denied. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 6 of the Adventures in Angular podcast. This week on our panel we have Aaron Frost. Hello. We have Joe Eames. Hey there. John Papa. Hey everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about build pipelines or build processes with Angular. I'm kind of curious, what uh, systems do you use to uh, build your assets in your Angular apps? I've never dove into a gulp system, but I hear that great. I use Grunt. I'm not like saying everyone should. I'm just that's the one I use. I'm the most familiar with, and and it, you know I've got it pretty streamlined, and I really enjoy using a Grunt build system for Angular apps. Mm. Yeah, and I've used, uh, I used Grunt a lot in the past, and then, actually, I still use it quite a bit these days, and I like it, but some of the issues I've had with Grunt, uh, Gulp is really helping me out with, and I've kind of switched for most of my personal stuff over to Gulp, and I start, honestly, if I do stuff in Gulp and Grunt, I feel like when I do it in Gulp, I'm more efficient. So, Joe, was that you that grunted when someone said Grunt? No, no that it was, was me. Ch- okay, that's your job oh, the rest of the show, anytime <laughs> someone says... <laughs> And Joe, you have to gulp anytime someone says gulp. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd get obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, that's... When, when yeah, he's we're going to make sure that he turn off the airwaves, like, right away. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, I have a confession. I use the Rails asset pipeline most of the time, because that's most of the apps that I'm building these days. That does sound like kind of a confession. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not a shock to most people. Hi, my name's John Papa, and I'm a gulp user. <laughs> Hi, John. There's, there's no uh, sound associated with the Rails asset pipeline. Ah! No, I'm just kidding. Maybe uh, Crazy Train, you know, a little Ozzy Osbourne going on, going off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a third option, right? Well, fourth, I guess, if you're talking about Rails, you know, or a server side asset, a server side language asset pipeline. Maven. No! <laughs> I'm just kidding. What was it? <laughs> I was going to say broccoli. That's there's true. also brunch, too. Is it really? Yeah, there's there's brunch, broccoli, gulp, and grunt. They're, They're all JavaScript based. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole other size we haven't looked at, and I think we're all kind of just saying, "Nah, I, I wouldn't go that way." But there's a lot of server side stuff out there, or even client side tooling that'll help you, like for little things. So, like Visual Studio has stuff called uh, Web Essentials, which will help you minify by right clicking on the files. Uh, and then there's also server side assets like an ASP.NET, which will help you create bundles and minification and all that. But Right. These days, honestly, I, I kind of forego all that for a tool that's really built around doing all it, which to me, the choices are grunt or gulp. I wouldn't look into the others. So I think that's really interesting because a lot of .NET developers, obviously, are going to look to their IDE and what's built into that. And not having had experience in ASP.NET for several years now, I'm not necessarily sure how competitive gulp and grunt are with what's available in IDE. And so... You know, Chuck, you haven't, same thing goes for the Rails asset pipeline, right? Of course, you said you haven't actually done much with Grunt and Gulp, so until you do, you may not have the right, the ability to do a comparison here, but I'm interested to hear from you, John, what you think about why you choose Gulp over using what's built into Visual Studio. 
Yeah, and I think that's you caught yourself there. I think that's the key. It's not really built in ACI.net so much as it is Visual Studio, although there are some in the tools. When I first started doing pipeline stuff, building out the uh, task automation, I was all using Visual Studio to do it for my uh, applications, and they were all .NET. And I was happy with it, but it wasn't wasn't great, and there were a lot of missing pieces. And then I learned about Grunt a couple of years ago and started using it and realized, you know, right tool for the right job. Grunt really just makes that stuff so much smoother. And then Gulp, you know, came out about a year after Grunt uh, and does it well. But the big difference for me is now I can use the same auto, uh, build automation, Grunt and Gulp, on any platform for any kind of environment, whether I'm building on, you know, OS X, Linux, Windows, whatever, ASP.NET, Java. doesn't really matter what kind of experience the team has going down the Grunt and Gulp pipeline. It just makes it for, hey, everybody here can use this. We don't have to worry about what IDE it is. And I know that the Visual Studio team is, or I think it's that team, uh, they're working on integrating Grunt into the tool, and I think there's a blog post about that if I can find it. Hmm. I, I have to say that that's kind of the appeal that they have for me. You know, coming from a Rails background, I usually use the Rails asset pipeline because I start off with something simple, and I don't need anything specialized, but... Yeah, I mean, that's the draw, right? Is that I can plug these tools into any project, no matter what backend or system I'm on, and, and make it work. And so I've really been tempted to switch over. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do it in mostly Rails applications and doing the work. Yeah, so there's two plugins that have made, um, that have made kind of gulp or grunt. Like, you can pick either one you want, really. Um, it's gulp grunt and grunt gulp. Grunt Gulp says you can run uh, Gulp tasks inside Grunt, and Gulp Grunt says you can run Grunt tasks inside Gulp. So, I mean, if there was something you liked from one that you didn't have in the other, not anymore because you could just run it using those plugins. So, I think those two are kind of the main build tools because on top of build tasks, they also have development tasks that you can have running like a live reload or your CSS pre-processing and, and, you know, among other things. They both do those build tasks as well as the development tasks really well. Cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe we should take a step back and say to somebody who's not familiar with these things, understands, okay, I'm learning Angular, I'm going down this road. Why would I even need these things in the first place? What do they do for me that I can't just do on my own? Maybe we should walk you through a build so that they can kind of understand it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, great idea. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys are like delivering the package straight out of their IDE sometimes and not understanding the advantages of why do I care if there's 40 JavaScript files versus one or do I really need to minify my HTML or, you know, things like that. Like they're, they're kind of wondering what, why even do it because they've never done it. Maybe we walk you through a build real quick. I, th- I think that's a good idea because, I mean, we, we talk about minification a lot. That's one, That's only like one piece of the build process though, so... Yeah, Aaron, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and start walk through like what you do for your build process, and I can kind of tell you what we do in ours. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of depends on your project. Everyone's project's different, but this is, I mean, some of the things are going to be universal, right? So one of the first things you need to do in your build is process your CSS, right? Well, actually, that's not even true. The first thing I always do in my builds is I clean out the destination where I'm going to put all these built files, just so that I know I don't have any stale assets in there. Maybe if you don't clean it out, maybe you end up with a, an image that you're not using anymore and it just stays in there. So you're delivering stale assets. So, so are you like talking the, about like you create a, you create a folder where all the stuff that you're going to deploy, it kind of ends up living after your build process. 
Yeah, exactly. Like I, I make a folder called build. Let's just say that. And just in case the build folder is still there from last build, I just clean it out just to make sure. It's just kind of like a, a fail safe, right? So along the way here, as you're, as you're talking about what you're doing in Grunt, I'll kind of tell you the similarities in what I do in Gulp. And, and I, it's the same process in Gulp so far. You just create a build folder and stick everything in. Yeah, yeah. So then I'll process my CSS. I'll process it from all the source SCSS files into the main app.css. And I'll, I'll put that into the build file, into the build directory anyway. I'm assuming Grunt's, Gulp's the same thing. Yeah, you can basically put it into its own folder and directory. I think the biggest difference between those two as far as folders go is in Grunt, you generally end up having, at least I do, like a temp folder for like in-process files that you're processing. Yep. Uh, and in Gulp, you don't do that because Gulp does a lot of that stuff in memory for back of other words. Yep. So I was about to actually talk about that. Like then the very next thing I'm going to do is going to have a temp directory inside of that build directory. That, and I'm going to delete the temp directory eventually. Hey, Aaron. But, yeah. Hey, why don't you uh, explain SCSS just in case anybody isn't familiar with that? Oh, yeah. So if anyone's not familiar with CSS preprocessing, there's a bunch of different languages like Stylus and Less and Sass and um, help me out, guys. Anyone else have one that they like? Those are the big three that I've used. Yeah, big three. <laughs> and um, so it allows you to write CSS kind of hierarchically. So if you have you know one main selector for a thing, and then you're going to select something inside of that. You nest your CSS selectors inside of it, inside of the file. And then you build that file and it turns it into proper CSS. But it's easier to maintain because you don't have to retype the selector names a hundred times. Because you're nesting them, you only have to type them once. If you're still writing CSS, you need to not, is basically the answer. Like Plus variables and math and usually yeah. nicer syntax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got functions. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff. Yes, yeah, so the big thing is once you've got all that preprocessing stuff, you, you don't want to output that, right? You want to run it through that preprocessor to generate your CSS. So somebody's got to do that. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the first step I do is I, I build my CSS. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of my JavaScript files and I'm kind of shooting this off the top of the head. I, I haven't pulled up one of my projects. I'm not I'm not walking through an actual project, but. This is just things you need to do. And I'm going to take all my Angular files and I'm going to run them through this plugin called ng-annotate. And for anyone not familiar with ng-annotate, well, Papa, why don't you explain ng-annotate? Yeah, I mean, ng-annotate, uh, it's rocking because we all hear about dependency injection in Angular and how if you minify the code, you've got to make sure that these variables don't get mangled. So the big key with ng-annotate is you don't have to worry about it. It allows you to basically annotate with a comment, uh, the word ng-inject, uh, prefix with the at symbol, shift to, <laughs> and put that above any function that you're using that has dependency injection. And then when you run it through ng-annotate, it basically sticks the dependency injection minification safe code into your code for you. So you don't have to worry about missing it. Uh, and it, it's evolving really well recently. So it's even if you don't put those annotations there, it finds probably 90% of the places it needs to all on its own. Yeah, I just want to interject here. Um, with the Rails pipeline, I ran into this where it was changing the variable names, which is one of the things that a lot of the minifiers do, and that was screwing up the dependency injection. I was getting errors, and I had yeah. to actually turn that off. And you can just do that with Uglifier, which is the default in Rails. But yeah, it yeah, took you just a while to angle. figure it out. A lot of times in Angular, you get this error. It says like injector module cannot find blah blah blah, and you don't know what the heck it means. And I, I can't find is. module A. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, or T. It was T for me, but yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in your 300 files, you have a problem. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what happens is just because it's trying to make it the smallest possible JavaScript file is in your function declaration for like an Angular controller, you say, I want you to inject dollar scope and dollar HTTP. Like you wouldn't inject HTTP into a controller. This is just an example. And when Uglify runs over that function, it says, well, I turn all variable names into shorter versions of themselves. So it turns dollar scope into A and dollar HTTP into B. And then it will go through and anywhere in your code that you referenced dollar scope, it will replace it with A. And anywhere you said HTTP, it replaces it with B, just so you can have like the smallest possible file. So what ng annotate does is, and you can do this manually. You don't need ng annotate. Like, NG annotate is just a luxury that I like and that John likes because we don't like to do this thing I'm about to explain. You can wrap your controller function or, or your factory function or your service function. You can wrap it in an array and you can put strings as the first indexes in the array and then the very last index is the function. Well, the strings represent the parameters you want passed into that function. So you may, you write a string dollar scope. And then that means no matter what Uglify does to that first variable, Angular knows it needs to inject dollar scope, right? And then if the second thing is HTTP, it will inject HTTP. And Uglification is not going to clobber the string dollar scope and the string HTTP. So it just protects your code against being clobbered. Yeah, I think it's a long story short is the details of it are awesome, but long story short is if you want to write your code and have it work, whether you minify it or not, ng annotate is your friend. Yeah. Is it worth uh, mentioning the difference between ng-annotate and ng-min? Yeah, it is. And in fact, if you go to ng-min anymore, Joe, Brian's updated it to say don't use ng-min. Right. Like, like straight on, it says don't use this. They do the same thing. We up- updated our build to use ng-annotate instead of ng-min. Our build went from four minutes to one and a half minutes. So ng-annotate is much faster at getting that stuff in line and build-safing your Angular files. Yeah, it's really the way to go these days. And it handles more situations than ng-min does, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of ng-annotate anymore. So while we're talking about Angular-based tasks, there's, I think it's worth mentioning that we're talking about ng-annotate, but that's a plug-in itself. That's a package in NPM, but you can also get a grunt version of it and a gulp version of it, meaning if you want to run ng-annotate from grunt or gulp, there's a gulp ng-annotate and there's a grunt ng-annotate. Yeah. Uh, that you can run. And I definitely recommend those. Yeah, and that's what you use to run ng-annotate inside of a, a build. Is, is Yeah, so, you don't have to, but I mean, that's, that's, that's the right way to do it, right? Yeah. So the difference here, it, at this stage, like this, we're going to run into our first difference between gulp and grunt. And that is that once grunt has copied, has, has, has finished ng-annotating your code, it needs to write that to the hard drive somewhere. And so it's going to take all of your files and it needs to put them somewhere now that they've all been through ng-annotate. So I make a build directory or a temp folder inside my build folder where it can copy all those, those files into. Cause I don't want it to over, I don't want to override the existing versions of themselves with these ng-annotated versions. And Gulp doesn't have to do that, John. What does Gulp do? So what Gulp does, it's different. There's two big differences, Gulp and Grunt. And one is exactly what Aaron's pointing at here. That's, Grunt writes to the files and the hard drive, and Gulp uses a stream-based system, which basically says, okay, you've gone from step one to two to three. Instead of writing the hard drive in between each, I'm going to stream the results from step one into step two, 
uh, which is kind of nice in a way because you no longer have to be writing tune from the hard drive to get your stuff. The other big difference is Grunt allows you to run basically using a convention with uh, using configuration. So it's all configuration based and in Gulp, it's all convention based. So it's a slightly different approach in how it goes. So you're writing code in Gulp and you're writing configuration in Grunt. Uh, and neither one's better than the other. It's just, you know, how do you want to write your code? I think to some people, Gulp sounds scary. You're like, well, I like the configuration. But when John's saying convention, it's super easy. You just like gulp.blah.pipe.pipe.pipe. And they're super simple idioms, like things to understand. They're not hard. So you shouldn't pick Gulp or grunt over gulp just because there's no code involved. It's all configuration. They're yeah, they're both, both like spend an hour with either one of them and you'll learn either one of them. They're both simple and easy. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, exactly. What I was pointing out was that gulp doesn't have to write to the hard drive in between these steps. And, and in grunt, when you annotate or when you minify in between steps, you need to put it somewhere. So, yeah. Did you have anything else to talk about on ng-annotate, John? No, I think I think that covers most of it. I mean, there's some open issues up on it, which is awesome. And like, I found some stuff recently that it wasn't doing. I opened some issues on their GitHub site, and the guy closed them out within like three days, which was super awesome. Um, yeah. Which I really like because that's the cool part is once ng annotate got fixed, the gulp and the grunt plugins for them immediately got that fixed. So they're not re-implementing it; they're actually pointing to the actual ng annotate task, which is really helpful for guys like us. Right. Yeah, just to um, clarify, Grunt and Gulp are both task utilities that you use in your app. It's just that you guys have co-opted them to have tasks that run your builds, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, for the build process, and I have a massive build process that I do for my personal stuff, and that's early on. Another big Angular task that I love doing is the uh, template caching. So I have a Gulp or Grunt process that goes through my pipeline to say, take all of my little HTML partials. Let's say I've got 50 different views that I'm using ng-include or ng-view with, and they're little HTML files, instead of actually making a XHR call to get them each time I hit the page, what Angular can do for you is say, hey, when you hit that URL, let me look at my template cache. And if I've already got a cache, which is in memory in the Angular app, I don't have to make the XHR call. I can just show it. Um, so something I like to do is I like to take all of my HTML files and run them through with Gulp or Grunt, uh, the template cache task, which basically runs through the HTML files, creates an Angular module for me that actually loads in all the HTML into template cache, and then I actually include that JavaScript file in my final build after minifying it and bundling it, Yeah, which really speeds up the app. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, like everything's already cached. Like it doesn't have to make trips and for a lot of views that's super important there's i mean there's some views like in apps i've worked on where that's like an admin section where like two or three users have it so you can get creative and not include some templates and include other templates though you know what i'm saying but um it all depends on if 95 percent of the people are going to see 100 percent of your templates then yeah you need to do ng template and that's actually the name of that plugin, right? Is ng templates? Uh, I believe so. I'm going to look for the name of it real quick. In Gulp, I know the plugins like Gulp Template Cache. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I need to pull up my GitHub and check it out. I used to use one called ng templates, and um, that's exactly what it did. Was it walked you through that process that you've explained of getting all your templates and turning them into JavaScript so they can be minified with the rest of the app? Wait a second. In the open source world, there's more than one product to do something. What? <laughs> I don't oh, understand. Man. 
that's a big key because when you're looking at some of this stuff, you, you've got to make sure that you're getting the one that is actually still being used. And because there's like three or four of them for like everything these days. Yeah, I agree. How do people afford all these open source licenses is what I want to know. Yeah, really. Bitcoin. Not cheap, right? Bitcoin, right? So at this point, you've got all your ng annotated files. You've got your template cache sitting in a build directory. Concatenation and minification are kind of your next two steps, like getting all your JavaScripts into one file and then getting them uglified so that they're, you know, or minified so that they're, they're compressed and gzipped and everything. So what's the step for that in, in Gulp, John? So yeah, there's, it's the same plugins really. I mean, there's uglify and there's concat. There's a gulp uglify and a gulp concat and they both use the uglify and concat processes. I think grunt is the same exact one. So it's just the difference I found is in grunt. I always do bundle and then minify because I want to bundle into one file and minify the one file just so I have less stuff I'm writing to the hard drive. Mm-hmm. In Gulp, it doesn't really matter. I can minify first, then bundle. Sorry, concat is what I mean by bundle. Or I can do them in reverse order because I'm not hitting a hard drive in between. That's true. Yeah, so, in, in Grunt, there's a huge difference in that order. You, yes. You definitely want to concat first before you uglify because you don't want all those writes for, you don't want to do all those writes, read and writes twice, right? Yeah, that, that's expensive. That's one of the things with Grunt that I found is my build process is slower with Grunt because of the read and writes to the hard drive. So you don't want to add to that. Yeah. Can you guys no, explain told- really quickly why you want to concatenate? I think some people just don't get why. The need? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and this matters, on the on the less quality of a device you have, this matters more and more. But what you don't want is when someone loads your page, you don't want them to have to make 150 HTTP requests to get all your JavaScript files. And on a PC with a plugged-in network cable, that's not as heavy, but on a mobile device, that's horrible. I mean, it's just to think about that, that, the amount of latency that you're committing to, it's just ugly. So the, the ideal... Step the idea, you know, the ideal build is that you end up with all your JavaScript in one app.js file, and that's the only JavaScript embedded on your index.html. And, and the key, the key there is, I mean, you're trying to load. This is your app code. So, think about from the end user's perspective. They want to get everything they need to run the app in one shot. So you want to two things slow that down. One is how many trips do they have to make? Because that each XHR is a pain, uh, and that can take it. And then the second piece of that is the size. So that's exactly what Aaron's getting at here is the concat and the uglify steps. They take care of the size and they take care of the trips. Yeah. Concatting it gets you down to one trip, but now you've got this file that's bigger than it needs to be. It's got extra spaces. It's got a bunch of comments in line that you don't need to give to your users. And your variable names are all really long. And if you shortened them or had some process that automatically shortened them, the file could be much smaller. And that's really all that's happening. It's taking out your comments. It's taking all the white spaces out, which is why all your code ends up on like two or three lines because it's just putting it in. And yeah, and you end up with a small, as compact as you can, JavaScript file, which is obfuscated so someone can't read it anymore. And usually these processes will gzip it as well so that it's ready for, for production, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and those are the big two Angular ones, is the template caching and the minification are really the annotations. Those are the two big ones that every Angular app should definitely consider. Yeah, totes. I totally agree with that. And then you got concat and you got uglify. And, you know, you can also minify your images. You can minify your CSS. Yep. 
Even you if can, I'm HTML. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in if I'm HTML as well. It's nice to have all the comments and stuff taken out of. And those, uh, those HTML minifiers are nice because they'll leave in IE comments. If like, if you have an, if IE9 do a thing, comments, it leaves those, whereas it takes everything else out that you don't need anymore. So, so yeah, those are nice. Yeah, it works pretty good. And, and so one thing I've heard about Gulp and Grunt in the past, which is really not true, but there's ways around it is some people like Gulp because you can run things concurrently. And that's the way Gulp works. And it can bite you if you don't understand that. Let me explain from the other angle. In Grunt, if you run a task, every task runs after another task and then after another task. It's all sequential yeah. uh, by, by default. Yeah. Uh, in Gulp, by default, you can, if you say, well, this task depends upon JS hint and it depends upon uh, minification and bundling and all this other stuff, it'll actually, if you don't do it right, it'll actually try to do all those things simultaneously, which may not be what you want. So, and in one sense, it's good because it'll run things concurrently by default. In the other sense, you have to be careful to make sure that, you know, you don't want to minify until you've already done ng annotate, for example. Uh, that would be bad. So, got to be careful with that in Gulp. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. If you try and do ng annotate after you've uglified, you're screwed. Yeah, it's not going to help you whatsoever. The same thing with the template cache. If you tried to do a template cache after you've minified your JavaScript, yeah. It's kind of stupid because you'd have a bunch of minified JavaScript, but then that template cache wouldn't be minified. So there's definitely some order, and we, I think the the way we talked it through on the show is how you would implement one on your on the on your own project if you were listening. But I've never dealt with those things in Gulp. That's interesting that that you could do things in parallel and serial as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, and to be fair, in Grunt you can actually do some of them concurrently too. There's actually a Grunt concurrent task. Yeah. Which, uh, which will let you run, okay, go off and do my image modification, my CSS modification, and my JavaScript modification all at the same time because they're different things. Yeah. And that'll help speed up your grunt task. So are there good examples out there of a build process that people are using? Yeah, um, I've got an example up on uh, one of my sites that I'm going to put the link in for the show. It's a gulp process that people can take a look at. Uh, do you have one for a grunt that people can take a look at, Aaron? So honestly, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in at one glance, but it's really solid. And um, some of the stuff you can look at is, like if you go into Yeoman, you have it scaffold out a new Angular project, it'll set you up with a really solid grunt file that does all these build things you need, and it'll give you several tasks. Like It'll give you like a live reload kind of built into it, and um, it'll give you a full build process where it will do all these steps that we've talked about yeah. And you don't have to go through and worry about it. So there's definitely some stuff to be taken away from one of those Yeoman Angular scaffolding projects. I would recommend starting there if you were looking at it for grunt build. That's a great idea. And is there one? I mean, it's it's a lot to take in. You're going to be like, holy, I, I can't do this. So it's not a tutorial, but it, it is a functioning build, which is what Chuck asked for, of what you would want to do on your own site. So. That's one of the things I like about Gulp, actually, is when you start looking at grunts, like I've looked at those massive grunt files, when you dissect them, they're not bad. They really aren't. But I find reading them is difficult. And my grunt files, sorry, my Gulp files, I find reading them is easier because I can see I do this, then that, then that, then that. Uh, whereas my grunt files, I find it difficult to bounce around between the configuration to make sure I've got things right. So one thing that, that Merrick Christensen did, he built this... Um Grunt plugin that allowed you to require it different sections of your main init config JSON so that all your pieces weren't in the same file. 
And I thought that was super useful because that way the, the init config wasn't so gigantic and they were off in their own files that you could kind of like read and see that where they were being required from. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And the reason I thought that that was awesome was because then he extended it. So like, let's say I had one called template cache.js and, and I could require the template cache section in, right? Well, if I wanted to allow users to point to sp- different places on their hard drive, he built in this way where you could say, instead of template cache.js, I could say template cache-user.js, and it would require those both in and kind of extend my preferences on top of the other one, and then it would require them into the main grunt file. And then that way, we could all kind of, if you had any pieces where my my system was different than your system, maybe you're on Mac and I'm on Windows, and and we need to point to different sections... And it made it so that that could be normalized across systems. And you would never commit your dash user files, but when you checked out the project, you'd get them so you could see how to config them if you needed to, if that makes any sense. So there are some cool stuff to make that less ugly, but that is a, that is a complaint a lot of people have with Grunt that I've heard a lot. Yeah, and something that uh, I think is worth pointing out too is while we're talking about building everything using Grunt and Gulp, and both of them are great options, just pick one to be consistent. When you're done, there's other things these tasks can do for you too. Like I commonly use Gulp or Grunt to run watches so I can rerun my Karma and my Mocha unit tests or my Jasmine unit tests. Uh, so running for watches is awesome. You can run Nodemon. So when you serve up your code, you can actually use a Gulp or Grunt task to use Nodemon, which actually will restart your Node server whenever it sees file changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a bunch of other little things you can do, like, you know, JS Hint, um, as a unit testing, serving up your code. Uh, pretty much anything you can think of, live reload, uh, all that yeah. kind of stuff's in here too. And they're all super easy to config. Yeah. Bottom line cool. is if you're not using it, you're working way too hard. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> way too much. You know, at, at Google I.O. like two years ago, Paul Irish got up and talked about the need for better build tools and talked about people kind of going out into the world with like sharpened sticks trying to make, you know, websites and he talked about the need for really power tools, and um, he, it was the talk where he kind of they introduced Yeoman, but uh, it was on the back of Grunt, and he says tools like Grunt, and now we have Gulp as well, are those are really the power tools you need to deliver a powerful site because these tasks there's so many of them, and if you try and do them all manually, you're just gonna like end up quitting. You're gonna be like, this is all too much. You're gonna forget to do one, and then you, you're just never gonna do them. Like, you're gonna stop minifying your images because you just forgot to one commit, and it's gonna get lost. And someone, some designer checks in a really, really big image that's not minified, and and now you're in trouble because the page load looks wonky. And so you have to automate every step of your process. You don't ever want to depend on a human interaction for a part of it. And Gulp and Grunt make those things easy. Yeah, so I, I agree with what with what John said. If you're doing it manually, you're working way too bloody hard. All right, well, we're about at the end of the time. Uh, should we go ahead and get to the picks? Yeah, that works. All right, John, do you want to start us with the picks today? Sure, since we're on theme for Grunt and Gulp. Grunt and Gulp. I, I can't make those noises. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's about all I can do. The gulping I ain't doing, though. My picks are going to be twofold. One is a tool in WebStorm that helps you do Grunt, and they're promising Gulp soon, uh, just like in Visual Studio. If you're using Visual Studio or WebStorm, you definitely want to check out the integration they have with Grunt and Gulp. Uh, it's pretty darn good. You can actually debug it, too, which is really nice. Because when you're writing some of these tasks, it's great to be able to set breakpoints in your Grunt or Gulp code and see, you know, is it creating what I thought it was going to create as it goes? 
Uh, and then the second pick is there's actually a Chrome DevTools plugin for Grunt, which is pretty wicked cool. And you can actually run your tasks right inside the browser. Um, check it out there. That sounds really cool. Joe, what are your picks? All right. So for my first pick, I'm going to pick Brendan Ike. We just had him on JavaScript Jabber yesterday. Woo! Guys, uh, yeah, exactly. It was so cool. Was that awesome. was way cool. Total, uh, stud, major, I've got major hero worship when it comes to him. So I definitely want to pick Brendan Ike because the guy's just absolutely amazing. It was fun having him on and the stories that he told. It was just amazing. So I'm going to pick Brendan Ike for my very first pick. For my second pick, I want to pick a game. Of course, I've got to pick a game every week, right? So I'm going to pick the game Space Cadets Dice Duels. It's a really long name for a really awesome game. I may have picked this in the past, but if so, it was a long time ago. You play on two teams. Teams are evenly matched just as far as size. So you have to play with either four, six, or eight people. But each team has a whole bunch of dice, and you're, each team controls a spaceship, and you're trying to blow the other spaceship up, and each of you has a different job, kind of like you're on Star Trek, and you're playing a different position on the bridge. And you're rolling dice and then passing them to the next person so that he can do his job and then passing them back. And it's really crazy. And you get everything set up to go to shoot. And then by that time, the other ship has moved and your torpedo goes off into nowhere. And it's super fun. Have a great time playing it. So I want to pick Space Cadets Dice Tools as my second pick. And my third and final pick will be very self-serving. But since we talked about grunt and builds and we talked about css and sass my course on front-end web development kind of covers all these topics in a fair amount of depth and gives a comparison between all the different css preprocessors and talks about using grunt so i want to pick that course mostly because it was the course that i wrote for myself when i got when i went from server-side development into front-end development this is all the stuff i wish i had known and so i wrote this course as sort of a course to myself and that's it dear joe that's, exactly. That's I on Pluralsight, right? Yeah, that's on Pluralsight. All right, Lucas, what are your picks? So since we were talking about Grunt and Gulp, I have to give a shout-out to uh, my boys uh, Aaron and Eric from We Are Fractal. They actually wrote Gulp. And the funny story is I've actually known Aaron and Eric for years, and they're always like, oh, we're building this thing. It's going to be huge. And they were telling me about Gulp quite some time ago, and then all of a sudden, like, it is actually huge. And so if you go to wearefractal.com, um, you just check out the repos. They've got a ton of really great content. I'm always learning uh, something new from them. And they're based out of Phoenix, so fortunately we get to do a, a lot of events together. And then uh, my second pick is I just got my copy of Lock-In by John Scolsey, who's one of my favorite authors. And I actually have the audiobook, which is narrated by Will Wheaton, who just does an excellent job. They're kind of my favorite duo. And so if you haven't ever read any John Scalzi, run out and get all of his books. They are hilarious and entertaining and awesome. Very nice. Aaron, what are your picks? I've got quite a few picks, and one's kind of a pick off with Joe. So I, I also did a course on this kind of stuff over on Egghead.io. It's almost done, and you can check out a lot of the steps that John and I kind of talked about with Grunt and Gulp. I did it in Grunt, and I'm sure that it's Almost, I mean, it's it's probably the same easy to do in Gulp. So, but they're ne- they're necessary steps. I'm gonna so pick up. That a, course is like a deep dive into Grunt. Yeah, it's it just it's called Grunt Builds for Angular Apps. Is what it's called. Cool. Yeah. So I'm gonna pick a book. It's called and I and I and I've picked books in the past that I've absolutely loved. I, this one is like, oh my gosh. Okay, I finished it and I kind of liked it. It was called Off to Be the Wizard. Uh, the concept is, you know, it could have been like one of the best books ever, but the, I think the author under delivered, but it was still kind of an okay book. Off to be the wizard. 
going to Leonard Skinner and Tesla on Friday, so I'm going to pick Leonard Skinner and Tesla. There's a cool library I found this week called NVD3 for Angular. So it's it's Angular directives and Angular integration for all the NVD3 charts, which is really cool. And then I'm going to pick a browser extension. It's a Chrome extension called Momentum. And try it out for a day. I Trust me, you'll like it. It's like a super, super pleasing. It just replaces your new tab page, and it's you'll love it. It's awesome. Try it out. Awesome. Well, I only have one pick this week, and that is Doctor Who. It's back on TV. So I'm super excited. I watched the first episode. It was a lot of fun. The new Doctor is different, but anyway, I like it. So, so that's my pick, and uh, I guess we'll wrap up. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. It was really, really helpful and educational. Yep. Thanks, man. Working and learn from designers at Amazon and Quora, developers at SoundCloud and Heroku, and entrepreneurs like Patrick Ambron from Brand Yourself. You can level up your design, dev, and promotion skills at Level Up Con, taking place October 8th and 9th in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. Only two hours by train from New York City, this is the perfect place to enjoy early fall at Oktoberfest while you mingle with industry pioneers in a resort town in upstate New York. Get your ticket today at levelupcon.com. Space is extremely limited for this premium conference experience. Don't delay. Check out levelupcon.com now. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.